John, are you good? And what is it? The God, how much you drink so much water? Let's have a show. Sorry. Yeah, let's do a show. Oh, and I did it again. There we go. There we go. Now we're gonna do, do the show. same thing. Don't be mad at the amount of water I drink, man. I'm trying to stay hydrated. Yes, can I have my water that John took? No, but you know what? It's better than me coming in. Like, remember when I used to come with like a huge thing of Coca-Cola? I would drink like a, whole, like a liter of Coca-Cola while we did a podcast. Did you quit soda? Regular Coca-Cola or yeah, Diet Coca-Cola? regular Coca-Cola. Okay, that's better than Diet it, it, Coca-Cola. It is better it than, is. it's much better than diet for sure. But at the same time, you shouldn't be drinking a liter yeah, yeah. of regular Coca-Cola no, by it yourself. it makes you fat, regular Coca-Cola. Diet Cola gives you, Coca-Cola gives you brain cancer right. and things yeah. like that. So would you rather be thin? Way to start the show off yeah. over there, Buzzkill. <laughs> no, you know, I do And our I medical, uh, our medical guest. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. And Amanda Ladd-Jones is who you're hearing talk over there about brain cancer. Yes. Um, I, you <laughs> know, I, some cheer. I, ha- yeah. I will say... Merry um, Christmas. You know, it's been around ever since Tab. They've talked about just that the crap that's in that stuff. You really shouldn't be drinking that much. But yet, here we are in America. We love our sodas. I stopped drinking soda like five years ago. I've had, I mean, I shouldn't say, I've had like a sip here and there, but like I, I thought it was going to be the hardest thing ever. I was raised on soda, Coca-Cola's, Mountain Dews, and I oh, just yeah. stopped. Yeah. I gave it up. I gave it up. I had to give it up. Diet Coke. Were you I, a Diet I, Coke? I drank regular sodas as a kid. Why do women Be- love Diet? Why is it oh, Diet Coke such a big because thing with women? Because it's a complete addiction, and it's an insane, first of all, it jacks why you women? up. Well, I think it just happens to be in those circles because I know several dudes yeah, that I'm, have a, co- a diet Coca Cola. It's just it's. I it, used to it, drink it, like eight or nine a day. Yeah, it's yeah. like it doesn't discriminate the diet. <laughs> Coke. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I've known guys, and that's the thing. There's it's it's insanely addictive, crazy addictive, and it gives you like a jolt that's different than yeah. it's like borders on panic attack. You're kind of on the line of like, you know, heart palpitations. After you drink it or before you get it? Like you need it. No, no. You, after. I didn't okay. ever, you don't ever feel anything you need it except that you feel compelled yeah, to you, get one, drive through a drive through. Okay. I had to quit it because I was, when my daughter was a baby, I would like, they knew me at the Del Taco on just San for, Fernando. Just for the Diet Cokes. Yeah, I was like, hey, they're like medium Diet Coke. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, you're a regular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, is that part of the reason what when they when you realize someone knew you at a drive through, you're like, okay, this does that make you feel weird? Like, did you actually use that as part of your reason? Or are you well, saying that as a joke? Part, yeah, but I no, should, no, I that was completely true. Here. That was completely true. I feel like there's people with the worse addictions in the Del there, Taco drive through. There, are, the there are people with much worse addictions. But yeah. I, it was honestly like it was more that I was like if if I didn't if someone offered me a Coke, I was like offended. Like, are you joking? A, yeah, you knock it out of their hand. Please, let's come on. So yeah. yeah, no, and and yeah, it was the drive through the. The the offense taken when offered something other than a Diet Coke. Yeah. My psychosis was because I love coffee and I go to Starbucks quite a bit. Not as much as I used to, but I would uh, stop going to a specific Starbucks once they started acknowledging me. It made me feel weird. Yeah. Like I was like, are you acknowledging me and you also make fun of me after I leave? Like I'm that oh, guy. Yeah. So definitely. then I would bail, which is so weird. But I can't, I used to work in grocery and we used to have regular customers when I was in college and we had a list in the back and we, we, we'd, we'd made fun of people. Of course. <laughs> So we had we had one guy called Furneck because he had a lot of hair on the back of his neck, but none on the top of his head. And if, that's the one I remember the most. So I'm like, you know, I would always go, I don't want to be Furneck. You know, I, I don't want to be known as Furneck at that Starbucks. And me- you know? meanwhile, they just acknowledge you and then never think and of you. And moved on with their lives yeah. as, if, as if someone, they cared that much about right. me. That was my thought. 
production when i started working in production i started drinking like a ton of diet coke and then one day i opened the fridge and the break room was on punked and it was all tab there was what how do they even find tab that's what i said i go like pepsi light i just you know with the lemon i just i just walked out of my office i was like hey how long have i been in my office where what's did i travel backwards in time where did all this tab come from like oh they sell it at costco i'm like or no, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Smart and Final. And I was like, I was like, really? And and I go, I go out in the bullpen. I'm like, who, who's drinking Tab? Who is it? Raise your hand. And it was the line producer. She was like, I, I think you're like, I you love need it. To know, I, I did. I want to know. I mean, we bought. There was a ton of it. I was like, there can't be. That looks like there's a line of people outside. They're like, well, is the Tab here yet? Like there was so much of it. I was like, that's. I haven't seen one since 1984, and now there's a fridge full of it in like 2004. Tab will always be stuck in my mind for one of my friends in the 80s whose mom, stay-at-home mom, was as tan as you possibly oh. could get, <laughs> like the constantly in the sun, fake tanning, always had Tab in her hand. Like she like fit that stereotypical stay-at-home yeah. 80s mom with the bufante, like everything. And I was like, that's that's what I saw as like someone was basically like, where where can I find cancer? Yeah. yeah. Um, smoke Marlboro exactly. Lights, yeah, yeah. probably. Smoke, she smoked 100s. cigarettes. Like it, was like it was like everything yeah. she possibly could set, could tempt the fate of death. Like she was like, I will do this. I will, I will smoke my cigarette through the tab can while I'm, you know, in, inside the uh, suntan machine. What was her know? name? I don't remember. Bev? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't call back then. We did, It was not our generation. We would never... Oh, no, you wouldn't call her by that name, but you would know people her would name. People would get so upset. Did you ever call your parents by their first names? When my I was growing own up, parents? Yes, people would get upset no. if they heard you say that. My own parents? Yeah, my, my kids. Own? What do your kids call you? My, mama, I my daughter calls me Mama. No, yeah, one or two, just still one, just one. Okay, yeah. she's but has she ever said your name and does it throw you and do you get upset by or you could care less? No, I w- I would correct her. I think she may have probably. Yeah, you know she sometimes says Amanda Jones and like oh, you know <laughs> she, she loves to tell people. She has to loves to tell people. I'll say something like, oh, you know I'm uh, you know whatever like. Can I get your, your reservation? What's your name? Amanda. She's like, Lad Jones. Like, yeah, they she don't, likes the they don't need to know. They don't need to know. Birthplace, state of birth. Yeah. They don't need to know. Social. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but no, she calls me mama. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My parents didn't go for that. They definitely did not go for that. And I, my parents were old school, though. Also, they didn't allow me to call other people's parents by other adults by their first name. So you were Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then I was like, but she said I could call her Sally. Yeah, but... And my mom was like, no! She's a crazy person. You now, don't listen yeah. to her. Why do you think that... So was it only a respect thing or was it like you're getting too close to a... You should never... They're not your friends. Is that Was that what... The, like, I don't ever really under... Outside of the respect thing. The only, the only kid I knew who called his parents um, by their first names all the time, uh, his parents was like the first time I ever smelled marijuana. Was like his, his <laughs> so par- there you go. His, I mean, his deviance, parents, his, parents his dad was a Budweiser distributor, which was in town the greatest job. Like, you work for Budweiser, we love Budweiser. Like, it was everybody loved it. And then, and he always had Budweiser, like the horses and the Clydesdales and all the Christmas stuff in his room. But then, yeah, I mean, his parents would have people over, and I'd be like, them's not regular cigarettes. I've seen <laughs> regular cigarettes. <laughs> so, wow. but I mean, they were, you know, so they were maybe it was just a progressive thing. Maybe it was like a fad too. Who, it's like eh. well, my kid. Well, actually, one my oldest tenor does not. He's it's always dad. Yeah, my youngest son, who's more of the yuck yuck in the house, 
He's always like, hey, Brian, what's up, Brian? Well, he's just trying <laughs> to be <laughs> funny. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the problem is, because it's like like with kids, right. I laughed. And then he's like... Check, check nah. it off the list. This is this is happening until I say, yeah. knock it off. Yeah. But I actually am humored by it. And he also uh, learned from their mother that when you say dad, and you have to say it 50 times because dad's not answering, his, their mother said, call him by his first name because he never hears it. He will answer you. And so I also, there's that mistake oh. where dad, 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 dad. Brian. Brian. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah. Turn, right? Yeah, yeah, that's effective. See, there you go. <laughs> Who's more trained, them or me? I don't know. Uh, yeah, right? No, but I think it would be weird if he was like, hey, Brian, can you get me the milk? Right. You know, I mean, it's funny that he's like trying to wind you up, but yeah, if he was but like, was, Brian, was can we ca- get some toilet paper in <laughs> yeah. here? You'd be like, what? Casual <laughs> stuff. They're at the grocery store. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Really? Listen, I will Put be back. your personal assistant, but do not call me by my first name. <laughs> exactly. I will still That's do all those tasks. Point. That's the thing I would like. Come on, Brian. What are you doing, Brian? <laughs> Green light, Brian. <laughs> that would get really annoying. Yeah, yeah. After. Then you'd be like, wait, hold up. You can only order me around if you're calling me dad. <laughs> then I accept yes, everything exactly. you're saying. Because then it's just sort of like part of the title. Yeah. Can you bring me down just a little bit? In your headphones? Yeah. Which color are you? You um, are yellow. yellow. All right. Come on down, yellow. Are you coming down, Yellow? Coming down. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Are you coming down, yet, Yellow? Yeah, that's good. That's good. There we go. Thank you. Amanda, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being for here, me. for yes, sure. Of um, very Thank nice you. of you to take the time. You are a, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this about us. You are, you are a fellow filmmaker, and you are in the process right now. Oh, which you, I'm, you're, you're lumping you in with her? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure who's going to be okay with that lumping, but I'm doing it. You're fine with it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with the lumping. Uh, all right. You're, you're kind. You, uh, um, but uh, you are, now, I want to know in the, in the process, you are in the process of still finishing a documentary mm-hmm. that yes. you are working on. So. Yes. Um, what, I, I didn't really give John too much information, so uh, it's better if I'm surprised by stuff because I'm kind of a simpleton. Okay, uh, yeah. but, it, but I'm curious. So if you just want to give it, what, what we'll do is we'll talk about what you're working on, and then I would like to go back in time into your life leading up to where we are. But we, but I would like to start with what you are currently working on. Okay, I am currently making a documentary about um, my well about my father, who is um, Alan Ladd Jr., uh, also known as Laddie. And he um, is probably most well-known, although not very well-known, surprisingly. That's why I'm making a documentary about him, um, for being the guy that greenlit Star Wars. Star Wars. um, Have you heard of it? With Mark, like Star Wars, the... um, No, Hardware Wars. Hardware Wars. The new, not the new ones, but the original... The New Hope. The actual what changed the, what, yeah. the yeah. landscape. The first of, one. The, the New Hope. One. A New Hope. The first one, number four. Number four. four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> you your, know, dad, your dad greenlit that. He did. Yeah, he did. He had the foresight. I mean, did, did Star Wars go to other people? It did. It did. And it they were like, passed on. Yeah, yeah it I don't passed know. On. Like so many actors turned it down too. Like, I don't want to be in a movie about space. This is weird. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it was it was um, hard for people to catch on to it. He had gone, he had taken it around. It had been passed on, um, and uh, basically, um, well, the story is um, that my dad they snuck my. He had made George Lucas had made American Graffiti for Universal, and then it was finished, and Universal said they weren't going to put it out. So his agent, George's agent, called my dad, who at this point was at Fox, and said, there's this really terrific movie and filmmaker, and you know he's made this movie, American Graffiti, and Universal's not going to release it. Um, take a look at it. 
So they snuck the print off the Universal lot at like seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, this is in the digital era where wow. like they're yeah, like sending send a, link. a link, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So you they in the big whole... film canisters, yeah, you got, you like can't, seven you, huge like, metal film canisters, you, that, really? you know, like put it in the back whole <laughs> back of a car, and they drove it um, over and screened it for my dad. And he loved it. He really loved it. And so he called Universal and said, you know, I'll, I'll buy this movie. I want to release it. It's great. And Can I then, stop you there for one sec? Yeah. How do you call, like, you're not supposed to have seen this movie. So he's like, hey, I heard about this movie. Well, or- you know what, actually? I take that back. I don't think he called Universal because they would probably have, like, arrested him or something. <laughs> exactly. But they, he called George's agent. Okay, and they took care of the rest. Okay, and he yeah, said, yeah. I'll If you can we'll get it back, it. if you can get yeah. it back, yeah. we'll take it. We'll release it. Yes. I'm more um, concerned. Why didn't they sneak your dad onto the lot instead of the films off the lot? Well, because they probably wouldn't be able to screen it. Somebody would have been like, oh, hey, why yeah, are we screening it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, okay. the, yeah. There's always a narc. Exactly, exactly. So uh, anyway, so that was the story. So he went, went. so they said no. Then suddenly they were interested. You know, well, Fox wants it. Never mind. We want it. So the, anyway, my dad said, well, I, I really think he's incredibly talented and I'd love to meet him and find out what else he has. And so they had a meeting and he said, you know, I've got this space opera and I'm sure we've all heard his pitch for it. And, and my dad got it. You know, I mean, my wow. uh, the the sort of um, kind of folklore that has developed around it is that nobody got it. They didn't even know what he was talking about until it hit theaters, kind of thing. Yeah, right? that's the story, right? But oh. the real story actually is that my dad did get it. In order you know? for him to even to even give money towards it, yeah, he had to have gotten food. it. Yeah. You know? I don't understand you, well, but here's a bunch know. of my money. Yeah, have I don't fun. Know. Are you even speaking English? Yeah. I, you know, so it wasn't exactly that. I mean, it, what, what it was was that it was in ways incomprehensible because it was this thing that nobody had done and it was somewhat convoluted in all of this. Um, and it was a big leap of faith. But the, the reality was the reason my dad did it is because he had been so impressed with American Graffiti and obviously could see the talent in the filmmaker. And what I think is so cool and I wish was more the real, which it's the real story and I wish it was sort of the, the folklore because it's cooler. But what happened was is they had this meeting and what I would do to be a fly on the wall for it, they had this like nerd film, like nerd chat. And he ended up relaying the whole story to my dad by saying, like, this scene will be like Dam Busters. This scene will be, you know, like, I don't know, the Guns of Navarone. Or, and they were both these big film geeks. And so they were able to speak in this shorthand with one another. And so oh. my dad was totally able, although it was crazy and it was out there, he was totally able to envision... Because he was taking the scenes from the other movies he's describing and putting it into outer space. Exactly. So he was saying, you know, and then we have this big battle scene, it'll be like this movie. And they, you know, he was he's super into, like, serials from the 40s and stuff like that. That was my dad grew up. My dad is, you know, has seen everything out there. He's, you know, sort of by all accounts encyclopedic about his knowledge of films and whatever so they were able to have this conversation and obviously my dad thought he was talented and so he said he would do it but then you know it was you know certainly a long process and it was you know it was um unsettling uh, you know at times he was on his he you know he he fought for it though he fought hard for it because he he got it and he believed in it yeah i want to want to stop for one second there and and explain when you say he got it. This is the one thing that always blows me away, right? So it's like, here's this guy 
that obviously, yeah, he made American Graffiti. It is a movie about the 1950s yeah. and race cars, right? And kids and well, teens. Not really, not race yeah. cars. I'm sorry. Drag teens and, and drag racing and stuff like that, right? You have to be able to say that same person can yeah. can create something to I mean, completely polar opposite of you know that's really hard. Like I don't understand. Like it takes a very special talent, I think, when you're actually seeking out talent and and being able to say, all right, here's our large sum of money, and I trust that you're going to whatever is going on inside that head of yours is always going to translate onto film. That's not easy. It's easy if you say it's a drama. It's people were crying. We're in a house. Right, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to create a whole world and set, and your only point of reference is talking to this person mm-hmm. and another movie they did that has nothing to do with no it, going, relation to what I think doing. you can do this, and I totally see it. That to me is like a like that's 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 a skill that just goes beyond comprehension of me because I wouldn't know if I could if John told me and I'd be yeah. like I don't know yeah. if you could do that Sounds like I wouldn't be able to, me. to you understand what I'm saying like that's yeah, a weird that I in do. itself is an unbelievable it's not dumb luck it is not dumb luck no no well I mean I think that's also something that you know is is unfortunately the way most people are and and the way it really is these days it's like oh you you made this one thing well so that's the only thing you're you're capable of I think where my dad being such a fan of films Unless a sort of a, you know, bean counter was that he was able to recognize just the ability of the filmmaker across the different genres and be he was able to see. I mean, his understanding of films and the way that he watches films is really unreal. Um, and he's kind of known for doing this. Like, for instance, um, Ridley Scott made Thelma and Louise with my dad. He probably would have had a much harder time making it. You know, my dad, he and my dad made Alien. Well, actually, his very first movie was this movie, The Duelist, which was completely different from any of these science fiction movies. Um, and then, he, you know, it was like, so that was the first one, which was like, yeah, this, okay, yeah, I totally can see this guy making this. Like. <laughs> but that's, again, American Graffiti and, yeah. and Star Wars. It's like so he, I don't the know, duelist and alien? Knack. He's just got this knack. So th- and then, again, you know, so then they did that, and then they did Blade Runner, and then it was like in, you know, what, 19... 19- Your dad produced Blade Runner? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty fantastic. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty... I mean, it's he's pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so you know, and then again, he did it with him again, and you know, in the end of the eighties, it was like, you know, Ridley Scott's gonna make a feminist sort of right, yeah, you know, chick road movie. No, he's the alien guy. We need him to do like, that. What do you mean? And but no, my dad was like, yeah, you can do it. That's fine. You you know, I can see it. He put him, you know, on completion, but he did it. So let's take a step back. Um, you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, where did you where did you grow up? Where were you, where did you live? I grew up in Los Angeles. Okay. Which uh, which, uh, which part of LA did you in Beverly Hills? In Beverly Hills. Okay. Yeah. Nine hundred two one zero. At the time you were born, nine hundred two one zero. Did your dad yes. ever produce any of those episodes? No. <laughs> was your Just dad kidding. was your was your dad fairly successful at the point that you were born, or was he on his journey? And how many people are in your family, by the way? I should be getting there a little, are, little, little backstory on you. And the- there are, well, there we're um, a modern family that there are a couple of marriages, but we're there are three of us from okay. the first marriage, my mom and my dad, um, and they had, I have two older sisters, Okay. and then my dad remarried, and I have a younger sister. Okay. Um, but my dad's career, funny enough, um, the, his trajectory sort of, kind of parallels my life in a in a funny way. My dad was an agent. When he first started out, he was an agent. And he was pretty successful as an agent. And um and then there was this whole 
thing they he ran this agency that then had to be shut down anyway you can see the movie it's it's in the movie it's it's in the movie okay good but anyway so then that then that took him he went to london he decided to move to london we went to london first as an agent and loved it it was the 60s in london and he just partied so this you were still not around yet i was still not around then he did this then he was an agent for a little while it that fell apart and so he then moved back to London and became a producer and was there for a while producing and I was born then and in London in London oh wow. okay yeah is your dad and Don Draper <laughs> for the is. movies he is <laughs> so it's, he's kind of like that though in a weird way like he really is he's super quiet and like you know he's dark hair and you know he's always thinking always yeah like, and like no one can get a read on him and he's you know even you like a secret badass yeah totally no totally but um but anyway so he he then um he was trying to get this with the stories he's trying to get this movie put together with him and his partner jay Cantor. we're trying to get this movie put together with Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando was out here in Los Angeles and they were in London and they couldn't figure out how to kind of make it happen. They had no money. They were independent producers in London and they were just trying to get by. And so my dad got this call from Fox saying, you know, we have this position open. Do you want to come out here and interview? So he said he would only so that he could get the tickets because it was two tickets to Los Angeles. They were going to put them up at the Beverly Hills hotel. So my dad was like, listen, we'll take this. We'll get the airline tickets. We'll stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We'll meet Brando. Yeah, and it's great. And then yeah. we'll fly back and we'll make this That's movie and we're time. good. Yeah. Totally. That's a nice timing. Yeah. yeah, and there's a whole story with him. I mean, he's afraid of flying and Ooh. there was like a perilous plane flight out here and all these exciting things, you know, that didn't make them into the movie, make it into the movie because it's too long and <coughs> drawn out. But there was all sorts of aviational uh, sort of adventures on the their way. The stuff that would kill a person who hates to fly inside. Yeah, yes. yeah. So then anyway, they get here. They finally make it here. And according to my dad, he, he says, well, you know, I liked what they said, so uh, I took the job. <laughs> and I called... I wish, somebody would, I wish I could make a decision like that. Yeah, yeah. he was like, you know... <clears throat> It was kind of great. I took the job, and he and then he jokes that it, you know that it was mostly because he was too afraid to get on a plane to fly back to London. But um, so anyway, I was six weeks old at that point. Oh, okay. So you were so you didn't stay in London very uh-uh, long. I was a baby. And how old was he when he took this job? Thirty-seven. Um, That's crazy, right? No, no, thirty-five. Thirty-five. That's crazy. Yeah, thirty-five. He was thirty-five when he took. The job at Fox. So so anyway, so then he called my mom and said, pack up the, you know, the baby, the family, and move out to Los she Angeles. And he no never idea. went back to London That's... at that time. I mean, he's been back a million times right, since but... then, but not never to move. My mom, well, you know, just having had a, a baby. Old, she's totally just yeah, moved the... totally. Yeah. Two kids, nine and 11, and a six-week-old baby. And, and a, a stranger. Country, and, and a stranger a... that was paid to move. Yeah, and a guys. flat to... To box up and sell, you know, uh, I mean, that's easy, right? That's what every so, mom who just had a baby does, right? Completely. So yeah. she was really happy about that. I can sure, assure circle you. Line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so then, then he moved out here. They all moved out here, and me too. And then that was when he started. Basically, in January of 1973, he okay. started at Fox, and then his career took off really from really quick. there. So yeah, success, he moved up really quickly. So let me ask you something. So um, the, you're, you're the first person, I think, definitely we had on the show, but even that I have met, that you're, you're, that's, 
that's you're growing up Hollywood. You really, yeah. really are, right? <clears throat> and I don't and I don't know. <clears throat> I'd be curious because you basically have a successful parent that very successful parent in the business. You're, you're living in Beverly Hills, and I'm from Wisconsin. He's from Illinois, and it's like so just we don't, like Beverly Hills. Yeah, Warner we don't uh, we don't understand it. We only understand it from stuff maybe we've seen in movies and all that kind of stuff and all the stories. So I'm just curious as someone who grows up. Within that world where you're living in Beverly Hills, you're a child. Are you aware of the differences of how you are living versus other people? You have a parent that works on a studio lot. I'm assuming you spent time there as you were growing up. Like how how what was your life like? Or did you not really even know? You just go, This is what life is. This is dad's office. Yeah, I mean, the latter. I didn't know. You don't know because you're kids. Your parents are only your parents. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought my dad, because my dad's quiet and he's conservative. So I thought he was a huge nerd, dork. Like, I was shocked <laughs> when I learned in my teens that they he'd been to see the Beatles and like sat in Frank Sinatra's box at the Hollywood Bowl. I was like, what? How did you get those tickets? <laughs> You know, so I mean, I definitely because your dad is your dad and you see him only as that and you don't have any other experience to compare yours to. So, yes, on the one hand, um, I lived in Beverly Hills. My dad ran a movie studio. I visited him on the set on the lot yeah. of that you know and the, and it was cool and his office was like you entered the gate and there was New York Street and then his office you know so all that was cool but mm-hmm. I didn't really get that you know other people's dad's offices weren't as cool, cool yeah. as my dad's yeah working at the cracker factory with Millhouse's dad but you know what I'm saying like a lot of people were like oh Beverly Hills you must have been a snob all the kids you went to school with were snobs and it was very but I always now in hindsight now that we're adults we're like uh, yeah high school everyone's everyone's, yeah, a, everyone's a jerk, a jerk. But I mean, you also, all your friends were, probably had parents in the business and... No, surprisingly, I didn't have all that many friends oh. whose parents were in the business. I went to the public school in Beverly Hills. It sounds oh, wow. so cheap. But like, Nothing so, wrong with that. It seemed like, I, I don't know, it seemed like they more went to, you know, the Harvard Westlakes, yeah, the you know, private, whatever. Because yeah, the there weren't all that many. There were a couple, but really only this one guy, Stephen Zachs, his stepdad was actually um this man freddie fields who was my dad's first boss when my dad was an agent um and what i thought was even cooler is that his mom was miss greece and miss universe oh wow that was where okay that's where your focus was yeah 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 because i was like what are your agent what does that mean but uh, but i actually didn't even know that funny enough until it was like in fourth grade it was open house and then my mom came with you know to my with me and steven's mom was there and they were like oh you know, it was this whole thing, but he, but other than that, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there were grades above and below me, but yeah. not, not many. Um, but they, you know, so it, you weren't running with like Drew Barrymore and you weren't, no, did you guys, did you guys party in high school? Was it all pretty much? Well, she wasn't with Drew Barrymore. You no, know no, saying? no, now no, you've no, just no, said I meant, that I meant she's partied with Drew Barrymore. No, That's no, no. not true. When I said, did you guys, I meant like <laughs> you and your friends. Well, because, well, here's the story. See, my, I moved out of Beverly Hills I, in eighth grade, and I, uh, my parents split up. So, you're first, so you lived in Beverly Hills from basically being a little tiny baby yeah. to eighth grade. To eighth grade, okay. yeah. My parents got divorced when I was in fourth grade, and I went back and forth between their two houses. How, how, how was, does it, did it have a big impact on you, or were you huge. still too young that you really didn't process too much of it, and it was like, I'm going to two different houses? Like, or, or you're saying when they, so... You shuttled back and forth for a couple years, is what you're saying. Uh huh. And that, and how how was that on you? I mean, that that's got to be a, a lot, right? Or did it? Was it not? 
No, it was horrible. Okay. It was horrible. I mean, divorce is horrible, I think, no matter what. No matter it what. Sucks yeah, sure. for kids because yeah. they, they don't, you know, kids love their parents. They don't want to make one feel bad. They don't, you know, but the parents want to make each other feel bad. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, it gets kind of tricky. Go tell your dad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, no, it was pretty awful. And um, and where, where did you fall within the family, in that family? You were the youngest of those three? I was or? the youngest. And the, the tough thing about it was that <clears throat> both of my older sisters are quite a bit older than me. So they were both in college. Oh, so wow. I was the only there. one at home for it um uh, i smell accident here yeah that was an accident so. no i wasn't actually i was i was a love child i was strongly so- desired no they tried and tried and tried for All nine right. years Look at you. Wow. i know i know maybe they should have given up but they did <laughs> nonsense <laughs> so nonsense. so yeah so that was um so no i was the only one home for that and it was it was shitty but yeah you know um you know, whatever. We all have our things. Did your older sisters ever, like, were they, did they disconnect themselves from it or did they actually try to talk to you about it? Where did they show, like, you know, it's weird, right? Because they're so much older than you. Like, what was the relationship between you and your older sisters? Did they try to step in at all? They advocated for me a lot. They didn't talk with me about it, but they advocated for me a lot, which I didn't know about because they were old enough, 18 and 20, to sort of be aware of what was happening. And they both, you know, I mean, unfortunately, as even adult it's semi-adults that they were you get divided into camps you know i mean it's like one pulls you in you know so they had their own issues it's funny i had this conversation with my brother-in-law at thanksgiving which was i've known him my you know for 34 years my brother-in-law um because he and my sister got together in college and he so anyway it was the first time that i had mentioned what her experience was. And it was awful for her. She was 20, you know. And they're probably getting way more information from your parents than you were because the, the conversations that I'm guessing that they were having with your parents were a little bit more on the adult yeah, level. And you and were they, just getting the gloss. Yeah, you exactly. Were, and they were obviously much more cognizant of the unraveling, which okay. I wasn't. You All know, of I mean, it, it came just out happened. Much, yeah, for me, because my parents didn't fight in front of us. You know, they were pretty, you know, kept that kind of to themselves. So, I, you know, you don't pick up on so much when you're younger. Obviously, they would have picked up on a lot more than I did. So they they both said um, that they could see it. It unraveled pretty quickly. My parents were married 23 years, and then it just sort of unraveled. Um, You know, as I guess these things do, I hope I don't ever experience it. I don't have any plans of it now. No, I don't think anyone ever plans on that. No, 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 no. Well, maybe. I heard um, there was somebody that used to run Camelot a long time ago. I always tell this story. I'll leave her name on of it, but that's how we know each other. This is a preschool that we both went to. And I remember when she was leaving the business, and I, I remember talking to her, and I said, you know, why... You know, are you getting completely? She's like, I'm done with the in the kid world altogether. And I said, Well, why is that? And she said, Man, I can't deal with it anymore. She said, You know, these are the innocent years here in the in the preschool. She goes, I used to work at in an elementary school, and she's like, Maybe forty percent of those couples survived by the time their kids got out of elementary school. Like she's like, uh, I saw too much adultery, too much divorce, uh, too much. Uh, and she was like, I can't, man. It's affecting me. It's bugging me, and I got to get out. And I remember just sitting there going, What? Yeah. What? No, no, no. These uh, are the good years. Like I'm like all panic. Like these are the good yeah. years. Now, granted, she she obviously had her own distorted point of view of it. And, and occasionally, you know, at our school, we do start sealing. I, I, there's been a few. Yeah. At our school that have unfortunately have fallen to the wayside. But it's like you look at it, you're like, what? No, huh? No, because I don't. I it's don't lower. Even, I, our our generation is lower. I think they they say there our generation is generation X is less likely to to divorce or is, so has a lower it. because we grew up in, in divorced divorce. households and we know, and how we shitty know it is. it's yeah. shitty. Yeah. It's shitty, and you know, I mean, I think also probably we're getting married a little bit later. Later, so we're, yeah. 
you know. Um, yeah, that is back in the day. You get people got married like we're high school like, sweethearts. Yeah. Let's get married. We're eighteen. It's like whoa. Oh my gosh. How about but we like see the world a little bit before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was definitely not getting married at eighteen. I no, tell you that. Certainly not. Not even in the right headspace. I just don't not think even that close. No, I you, feel like I, you know, if my daughter came to me and was like, "I'm getting married at eighteen, I like, would no. be like, shut her away and say, check back in in ten years. Then yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it. Go live your yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In, as they should. But yeah, so so that's what they say. Thankfully, about our generation is that we're kind of more in it for the long haul hmm. see john you had john's about to get married so we're we're two oh, okay. good role models for you <laughs> yeah at this i table. just celebrated 16 years 16 Whoa. years, 16 years. And, you're and happily no, no, married no. no i'm nine you're nine so there you go that's solid you know i mean and it's and that's i saw a great thing at, you know no, 11 wait a minute what the hell am i talking hold on a second everybody <laughs> spoken like a happily married man 11 years i'm sorry my i was i, I always do the, the math based on my son. son right but yes. you, can i can i tell you something you did it backwards earlier on on, on last week's episode you I said i just got two more years everybody no but yeah. you said you said my i said you go oh oh tanner's 10 so i've been married nine years and i was yeah. like i was like Wait, that so you had well, Tanner before you got married? A lot of people I, do do that. In I know, high school. I know, I know, I know they do it, but I'm, you're not in high school. I'm, I'm just not, talking not about close. like. But I'm like, I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Now you're saying you've been married 11 years because Tanner's 10. ten. Yeah. So you yeah. said you said Screwed it backwards up. last week. So he was married probably, a year and three days after our. Uh, he was married. He was born. Married. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm screwing this You're marrying off your kid into a year. He's a year old. We're gonna get him different married country. off. Different country. Yeah, I remember when I was pregnant. Actually, a friend because my husband and I were married for a while before we had our daughter, and I was by pregnant. choice. Yes, because my husband is English, and I we got together. I'd known him for a while. He was a friend of mine. You didn't meet him when you were six weeks old in London. <laughs> I did, and it was love at first sight. <laughs> But he, we kept uh, in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, first, um, you know, on the little plastic phone. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my first calls. On the play school phone. Hello, yeah. Hello. Donald. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Donald Duck. What do you mean? <laughs> Uh, no, um, so anyway, I met him through, he was a friend of a friend of mine from college and, um, we got together, uh, we knew each other for a little while and then we got together and then, um, he moved, we got together in March of 1999 and he moved to America in October of 1999 and we got married November 13th, 1999. Whoa. So you knew, you guys knew. We did. I mean, I, you know, yes, thankfully, you know, I yeah. could say now, but no, definitely. I mean, we felt like we knew and it seems like, it seems like we were right. So far that knowing's yeah, worked yeah. out. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if we lived, I think closer, we may have had more of a traditional courtship, but you know, I definitely knew it's funny actually on the topic of dads and things the night I'd always had a little, I'd had a crush on him for a few years, but I lived in New York at the time, and I would often go back and forth from New York to London to stay with my friend who was his flatmate and all of our... I'd done a semester abroad when I was in college, so I had a lot of friends there. Oh, okay. Nice. So that was kind of... And it was, you know, the 90s when it was like 300 bucks to fly from New York to London on Virgin and with, oh, like, with like three other people. Right, nobody else so there. like in the middle row, just like, oh, wake me up when we That's get there. That's the true golden age of air travel yeah. right there. The 90s. So gone. Yeah, climate destruction with like three people in, yeah. the, you know, in the, yeah. you know, burning fossil fuel <laughs> internationally. But... Um, Spare no expense. With the yes, last exactly. smoking but section But it was in definitely comfortable. I flew a few times on Air India and they were the last... They, well, one seat in the back, right? Yeah, they sure I, I flew they, hung, to they hung on to that smoking section, yeah. and I'll tell you what—they had a good curry. It was like the one place where, like, the the, air, the airplane oh, food I, was decent because you were like the vegetarian curry. Yeah, all right, I'll I just take it. I drank like 
probably 15 Heinekens and then moved was cigarettes off the guy in the back yeah. on the flight. But Yeah, so no, but I, um, I anyway, so I, I, I'd known him, but I never made my my thoughts known. And also, I was like, I lived in another country. I was like, that's completely ridiculous and unrealistic. And I'm certainly not going to hit on him because then what's going to happen to my London crash pad? It's going to get weird. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm going to have like yeah. hit on Patrick's roommate and that's going to be weird. So then finally, after three years of that, I decided... To hit on him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, there may have been some vodka shots involved. There might have been. I'm not 100% a little sure. little confidence booster. Yeah. A little confidence juice. Yeah. But anyway, so I finally, you know, I mean, had almost no indication because my husband's a boss like that. Like, he doesn't give anything up. He's so pretty, there's, like, a, there's a theme between your father and your husband. Yeah, like, they, just, don't give, they don't yes. give it away. Hard Isn't to read. Isn't it so crazy? Hard and they're very read. both broad-shouldered. Like, it's it's bizarre because when people would say, like, oh, you'll marry someone like your father. I was like, ew, ew never. Yeah, yeah. First of all, don't, no t- way. don't say that to somebody, but it does. Gross. There are some characteristics. But there you... are these things. Like, my husband, Danny's quiet. He doesn't really give much up, but he's, you know, listening to everything. So don't right. be fooled you know right. oh yeah 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 <laughs> you know so there's a lot of a lot of similarities so anyway i finally decided to confess and i he turned out he felt the same way and he referenced the first time we had a, he said he had felt that way since the first time we had ever met three years earlier and he uh-huh. went on to describe that meeting and what i was wearing which is exceptional because wow. dan jones cannot remember a goddamn thing <laughs> yeah but in that moment, he was like, oh, I've always felt this way since that first day in Tame. The first time I met him, I visited him. He was living with my friend Patrick and another friend of theirs in this house in Tame, which is outside of Oxford. And I met them sitting in their backyard in um, the front seats of a car. that They'd removed the seats. <laughs> and they're like a TR6. Yeah. And they're sitting in these like sports car, seats. tattered seats, drinking beer. And ah, I the fell good in life. love. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, anyway, so he felt exact. He said he felt the same, and it was like we kissed, and I was like, had this moment. I was like, my whole life just changed. Really? Wow. Yeah, and I wasn't like a serial relationshiper, right. like at all. Like, your whole that, life hadn't yeah. changed. Seventeen kisses before no, that? No, right. not at all. I hadn't right. been planning my wedding since childhood. Nothing <laughs> like that. You right. know? And so, yeah. And then anyway, we stayed up all night, and the next morning, I ended up calling both of my parents collect from their flat in London to tell them. And I got my mom on the phone and I was like, I just want to let you know, because Dan had fallen asleep. So he was whispering, I just want to let you know that I've gotten together with the man I'm going to marry. You guys hadn't had a marriage discussion yet. You just decided to call them and and fill them in. Yeah, not at all. We had just stayed up all night talking and like, you know, sort of relaying these moments like, oh my God, I remember that time when you your knee pushed against me when we were, you know, at the house in Tame and we were <laughs> drinking the tequila and whatever. <laughs> you never mind. But, but yeah, so, and then my mom was like, well, we'll see how it works. Yeah, you know, yeah don't, of course. Don't, don't yeah. Make it but I mean, as a parent, like, that's, you'd be like, uh, okay, uh, yeah, exactly. be careful, and baby. How much is this call costing <laughs> yeah, me? And how much have you had to drink? Yeah. yeah. When was the last time you slept? Yeah, but my dad, I called him at right after that and he was like, that's great. And he completely, no cynicism, nothing. He was like, that's terrific. And he says that, like, because I was not the kid who ever, I wasn't, like, bringing home my future husband every, you know, other weekend. He said it was so out of character for her to do something like that that I knew. Okay. But my sister jokes that he was he's just always been trying to get back to London since they left in 1973. So he <laughs> so was, was like, like awesome. and he's a Brit. I love it. 
So yeah. anyway, so that That's was funny. that was that, and then he moved out here. So that was why. So we had this very short courtship and traditional sort of relationship. So you long... guys, so you decided to not have kids right away when you got here, exactly. so you could experience marriage together, which my wife and I didn't get a chance to because she was pregnant almost the whole time we were first married. Right. So I, you know, I won't tell her your story because <laughs> she'll be still mad at me. Yeah, but, but we got a special little fella out of the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. I mean, you know, you get, you get. I mean, like, you know, you get a crash course. Like at that point, you just jumped in with both feet. See, That's we right. had, we got to live the good life for eight years, <laughs> and then it was like, wait, what do you mean? And I, there was actually, I remember there were so many times when Iola was first born, where we would be, she'd be in bed, and it would be quiet, and I'd be like, do you want to go get ice cream? He was like, we have a baby. Yeah, we can't leave the we house. We can't You're leave. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Shit. Baby, it's, right, right, right. Pack right, up right. the baby and we'll get the ice cream oh, in two and a no. half hours when we're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, and it'll mind. melt on the way home. And right. it'll be oh, man. So <clears throat> let's take a step back again. So here you are. You're, you're, um, you're living this life. You moved out of Beverly Hills to which part of town did you move to? Oh my gosh, you're going to make me seem like such a jerk, Malibu. Okay, no, that's not it. So, all right, so that's what you're going to next. Okay. Well, my parents had another house. Of so my mom moved out. My mom, they separated. My mom moved out of our home and moved to our beach house. Did you? Yeah, at your any mom point, probably made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, Malibu was nice. Was it nice? No. Oh. And the house was nice, but it's this, it's, but it was a while ago. Malibu was not fun at that time. Okay. Because people didn't live there year round, so there weren't. It was much less developed. There were it's not really. There weren't really many. There wasn't even really schools. There was oh, like wow. Our Lady of Malibu, which was the church had. A did you have school. to go somewhere else to go to school? No, or I you... stayed at the school that I in Beverly Hills. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah. so that's a little bit of a commute. Yeah, it was. It was, but there wasn't such bad traffic then. So, so your mom had to dro- so your mom had to pick you up and drop you off all the time. Yeah, but my mom, because she's a badass, was a general contractor, and she had a construction company, and the office was in Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. Wow. So my mom would, you know, go to work anyway. So, But my, my parents didn't want, they thought it would be too disruptive to take me out of um, school. So okay. they kept me in school and then did back and forth. But they were also in a nasty custody battle. So. No. <laughs> oh, really? That wasn't... Yeah, uh, so yeah. they felt like... So let's know. go to... Let me ask you something else that I think is unique to your life. Which is, did you ever have to experience, or did it ever um, affect you in the relationships with friends? Of like, are you trying to be a, did are you trying to be my friend because of my family? Yes. And and how how did did you ever figure it out with somebody? Wow. And how did that how did you deal with it? Or did it did you never really quite figure it out? But you kind of just assumed that that may be going on. And, and what was that like? Because I, I can't even imagine being a child and have to go through that crap. And you understand this is why Brian's friends with you, right? Yeah. Because of who you are. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, no, I, as a, as a, yes, as a, yeah, I mean, it's such a, a big question. I, uh, I did. I always suspected it. And how it. early yeah. on did you All start noticing life. stuff like that? Not young, because okay. you, again, don't think of it that way. Um, but when I got older, most definitely. When I started working and working in the movie business, 100%, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and also when I got old, because... When I was young, it wasn't so novel in Beverly Hills because people had, and in fact, my parents were much more, um, uh, you know, kind of conservative. They didn't, um, they didn't believe in like stuff and uh, like being ostentatious and all that stuff. Like my dad was a guy that drove the same car for fifteen years. My right. mom wouldn't get me je- guest jeans, so I lived a- amongst more kids. of a normal. Yeah, um, my mom grew up in Watts in a si- with like wow. a single mother in an apartment with her and her brother. Okay, so you know? she knows life. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what my dad liked about her. Also, was yeah. that he'd grown up a totally different lifestyle because his father was an actor, so he had had a little bit 
Yeah, Alan, Alan uh-huh. Ladd Sr. Yeah. was yeah. in a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was like a noir, 40s noir actor, but he was Shane, a cowboy. You know, Shane, come back, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love I about John in these shows. Whenever he finds out stuff, he always loses his shit. <laughs> Shane! Yeah. We watched back, that. We read Shane. that book. We read the book in school, and then we watched that movie. And I remember that kid sitting like yelling out over the fence at him, riding away on the horse. Yeah. Shane! Yeah. Shane! He's yeah. all sad. <laughs> so, yeah, That's so that your, was his, that was my dad's dad. Although his your, mother and father also divorced, and he had a tumultuous childhood as well. He, yeah. he lived a lot with his mom, and there was like, you know, it was crazy for him but um but anyway so my mother was very we all had to get jobs we had to pay for you know well, you half of that. our first cars and so stuff like, like 15 that. 16 you it was like oh dude, like in my family it was like you know you're 15 16 years old you can go get a paper out or you can go be 14, a, a yeah. sacker yeah. at a, well, at a you, store. Had to, you had to pay for half of your car which of course you wanted the day you got your driver's license on your 16th birthday so you had to you know that was my sisters were the same you didn't way. just get it handed to you no but so I'm assuming you it. lived in areas where some of your friends were Everybody just getting stuff in hand. Did that bother you? Yes. Okay. I mean, but you know, I just felt... Because you're like, a kid and you're like, yeah, you're, you feel out of place. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like self-conscious about the fact, as silly as was, but fourth grade was when guest jeans came out and they were, at the time, was expensive, $65. And my mother was like, I'm not paying that for jeans. You're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, you're lucky you got Jordash. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. You know? And Jordash, that was nice. That was a step up from the Billy the Kids that she had me in before that. Right. So, I wore tough skins. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So, you know, so so that was, and, and it's silly, but it was like I was embarrassed in the that I couldn't have guest jeans. And like, so that kind of, and then, you know, but then I, by the time I was 16, I now lived full-time with my mom. I no longer, my dad got remarried and then totally coincidentally, suddenly he was like, I think it's time for you to go live with your mom. So, which was the, really the best thing that ever happened okay, to okay. me. Yeah, it was a better so situation. So you're not carrying a grudge with No, 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 no. And, I, and then at this point, then she sold their house in Malibu and moved to Woodland Hills. Okay. And I went to like, the public high school El Camino and drove a shitty car and had an after school job like everybody else and you know and, and were you but there you but, life? but it was it was more common that yeah that I kind was of, that way I would have been that way in Beverly but Hills nobody else around you would have been, yeah right. and now embarrassed you're like, by it course, and then you'd be you know, almost more embarrassed if you didn't have an after school job totally people are like we're gonna go to the movies this weekend how the fuck are you gonna pay for yeah it? completely and yeah. everybody we all had jobs you yeah. know and we all drove shitty cars that were like passed down or or you know bought for two thousand dollars because is that you know. Is that why you think it was the best thing that, that happened to you? Because you were able to live a little bit more of a live a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I was always uncomfortable. I was always uncomfortable in Beverly Hills. I yeah, was kind I of insecure see. with that. I didn't. I didn't like. You didn't that. really gravitate towards the whole environment, if you will, like that. No, of what we think Beverly yeah. Hills is. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't ever comfortable there. Um, in that life. So I, I, it suited me much better. Sure. I felt much more comfortable in my own skin. Right. Um, Two questions. One, um, what's your favorite memory of childhood being around? Did you Do you have one from uh, the film business? Something that you got to be a part of or that, that you look back and you're like, that it all of a sudden triggered with you. Like I've had my kids come around sets before and they go, all right, I don't know what the hell is so going bored. on here. And they're <laughs> yeah. like moving on. Right. Yeah. But was there ever a moment where you were like, wow, this is cool. I mean, yeah, I had this moment when everything clicked for me, but I was older and okay. I was ditching high school. And I, my high, my friend and I had ditched high school and we'd gone to see Driving Miss Daisy. At least it was a cultural ditch. Sure, sure. And we went to see Driving Miss Daisy. 
And I was very moved by it. And I sort of had this realization. I was probably 15 or 16 at the time. And I had this sort of realization. I sort of in that moment recognized the power of film um, and that you could sort of affect change through storytelling. Yeah. And so I you never really paid attention to that it. in production wise. Like you never were you not like a set visitor I was, or anything like but that? I but mean, you didn't again, really I connect. was bored. I went it. to I visited the set of um, Once Upon a Time in America. You know, Sergio Leone directing Robert De Niro. I've never <laughs> been more bored in my life. I, we were in Italy. I was like, Here we go. This <laughs> sucks. You know. I yeah. mean, when I actually when I graduated from high school. My dad called me up right, you know, right after and said, "Hey, guess what? I've got I got a job for you this summer. You're going to go to Arizona and be a PA on my movie, um, Thelma and Louise." Funny enough, and I was like, "No, hey, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I've got drinking to do. Yeah. I just graduated from high school. Yeah, I'm to moving party. to New York for college at the end of the summer." I was like, I'm "Not no spending can it do. in Arizona." So, did you not no do any PA do. work when you were growing up? So, did you did you pass on working in the business? I guess is what it was, and just did regular like jobs. Yeah, stuff. I worked. Totally I waited. I worked at it. Subway sandwiches when they first opened, um, and I did a promotional thing actually on a crane in a clown costume. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But then I just was a sandwich maker and my hands always smelled like onions and pickles. Artist. You were a sandwich artist. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was a seafood captain yeah. and I always smelled like rotten yeah, fish. Did you say you seafood captain? I was a seafood captain seafood at a grocery captain. store. Yeah. There you go. And then after that, I actually fun- wait, I waited tables at the old age home. The motion picture film and television fund in Woodland Hills is like almost like a cocoon style yeah. thing for people in the, the motion picture fund. What is that like? I mean, did you, did, or did, were you just like job, whatever, moving on? Or was there times where you were like, no, wow, it was so this awesome. Is... That job was actually really awesome. First of all, it was like three hour shifts and it was really good money because you didn't make tips because it's old people that live in an old right. But these are people that used to work in the business exactly. at their insurance. And it was, yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing you there. would, yeah, you would turn over your assets when you got to a certain point or whatever. And then you were guaranteed health care and, and shelter and food and all of that stuff. So there was these, this one guy, Fayard Nicholas. He and his brother were the Nicholas brothers. They were these amazing tap dancers, you know, in the 50s. There was this woman, Mae Clark, who had had a, um, I think James Cagney or somebody, somebody put, squeezed a grapefruit in oh, her face. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or pu- pushed it into her face in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. And there was... That's super famous, yeah. And yeah. It, yeah, it was cool, you know, and they really got a kick out of um, my... Dad, my grandfather, yeah. my my dad, you know. So um, so that was cool. Is there a delivery? Yeah, uh, yeah actually, the cookies are ready. Okay. So no, <laughs> it's I can't. I talked about this if, on the last episode. Text or whatever. Ever, this is gonna. This is. I know. This is first world problems. I got an Apple Watch. I'm sorry. My wife got me an Apple uh-huh. Watch. And ever since I've had it, it's connected everything of mine. Oh, my computer, isn't my that phone. annoying? Yeah, right. Again, first word problems, yeah. right? But I don't. I, I'm becoming my parents because I don't know how to stop it. So if somebody just texts, he just accepts it. He's like, I guess. So my this text goes now. off on my <laughs> wrist, my phone, my computers. Like everything is going off, and I don't know what to yeah, do. So I, I hear you. I'm on that now. My computer's ringing. I just got a new computer. And it's ringing. <laughs> it's and ringing. I'm like, everything Wait, is going. Where is it? Oh. So everything is too dialed in now. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's so interesting. So that so that was really. And how old were you were doing? that that was a high school job yeah okay i was in high school so it's so you didn't really say to yourself i'm gonna go i'm gonna go try to get jobs on sets and movies I'm no i didn't take advantage the of business. that stuff I hated that my dad the movie was doing business. it you yeah. did uh-huh. okay. because it was it was 
I grew up my whole, I grew up in the shadow of my dad's career. His career was more important than I was to him. Obviously, as a parent now, I understand that that's not necessarily the case. But that's how you saw it. But that's how I saw it. Um, And he was always at work and always traveling and never around. Um, And every time I was with him, there was always somebody who was vying for his attention or wanting to tell him something or sell him something or, you know, he was chatting or, you know, everywhere we went, everyone hung on his every word, which was annoying. (laughs) You know, you just feel like, you know, so I just felt like I was I spent my whole life in his shadow and I um, he was not around a lot for for me. So I resented what it was that he was busy doing. And I never, and I also felt like, and my cousin, she relates to this, she's an actress, but we, there's something about our, they like shamed us. Like we always were in fear of ever even thinking of going into the film business business because if we could like mar the family name. Like, uh, you know. So it wasn't, don't, don't go do something else, don't do what I did. It was more like. No, it was that too, okay. but you, but it, it had the undercurrent of, because if you embarrass this family, you're out. You know, so and I don't think that necessarily they were saying that, but also we also grew up and I don't ever remember anybody telling me this, but she's the same way. She doesn't remember being told, but that with the understanding that we could not discuss our family publicly, we had to keep quiet about my in particular, my grandfather, because, you know, he died under, you know. He, yeah, I mean, he had like a lethal combination of pills and alcohol. You know, he oh. probably committed suicide. He was had some issues, you know. So, but there was a different story that was put out. Okay. You know, so right. it was like, and so there the family was, yeah. needed to and stick the media, to the story. And the media wasn't into exposing that kind of stuff back then. They would no, help cover it up. They were the ones. Yeah, yeah they so would. They was, would put yeah, out the fake story and exactly. gladly run it. So it was this thing that hung over every aspect of my life, and there was, I think, because of that sort of. You know, being told always that you had to be careful of what you said and you couldn't say things. This that had this sort of subliminal sort of message of because you'll be an embarrassment to this family and you'll wow. undo the legacy of this family, and that's sort of a big weight to carry. Um, yeah. For so a kid? for that reason, I I there were so many things, you know, but that was sort of all layers of it. So when I first got out of college, I um, wanted to be a chef, actually. Nice. And I and I worked um, at Spago in the as a prep chef in the kitchen at Spago, which was a great job. Yeah, but this is you went to school in New York for that. No, I went to school for philosophy. Oh, okay. <laughs> then when I got out, <laughs> you got a job in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is here where, 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 in the, New York. New York, I went to okay. New York. Yeah, and, no, the Spago. Oh, Spago here, yeah, uh-huh, Spago here. Uh-huh. Back when when they were they would always talk about the private parties of the Oscars Spago. Yeah, when it was over across from what used to be Tower Records. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like a huge... Yeah, yeah, and it was a great job. I did it for one summer, actually. And then I decided I didn't I, I didn't want to be a chef, that I preferred eating in restaurants then. Yeah, working in <laughs> them. Okay, cooking for them. Although I liked waiting tables. I love the restaurant atmosphere, actually. Re- working in restaurants is cool. But when So when did you actually go, all right, you know what, I want to try this entertainment world? Well, like, that happened because I was living in New York City. I went to college outside of New York City. And then I moved into New York City when I graduated. And I was living in New York City and waiting tables. And my sister called me and said that she had a friend who's who was working who who a friend of her friend was the accountant on this movie called The Associate which is the Whoopi Goldberg movie mm-hmm. um and uh anyway so she said that the accountant on the movie needed a clerk 
Um, and I, funny enough, had failed math all the way through school. <laughs> You're perfect. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, You're hired. I thought it was very... Hollywood. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was like, you know, I'm not so sharp on the math skills. And she was like, You're the clerk. You know the alphabet. You're filing. <laughs> yeah. You're filing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So I was like, All right, fuck it. Yeah. I'll take no, it. No, it's okay. You're okay. You're okay. Um, I'll take it. Because what do I have to lose? Because it's five months. So it was a yeah, five-month gig. And worst I was case like, scenario, yeah. it's done in five exactly. months. I was 23 yeah. years old. I was like working at this restaurant that wasn't that busy. So I wasn't making you know a huge amount of money. And it was not not that I went into making a huge amount. But anyway, so I thought, okay. And it's sort of like a legit gig. And so I did it. And then during that time was the, uh, bliz- the blizzard of 1990. Six, which really started in 1995 and then into 1996 and the the film got shut down and we had to do an insurance claim and that's where you have to basically hot cost every single thing that would have been spent on that day and then submit it to the insurance company to recoup it oh. so i got like a crash course because everybody was else was busy doing their jobs and i right. was doing the the, the mock-up of the job oh. that would have been during that time so i had got this crash course in accounting so then after that, my very next job was as um, the payroll accountant on this gigantic $96 million movie, Conspiracy Theory. <laughs> wow. That was pretty In quick. between that, I worked for a payroll, as a payroll accountant on Ransom, actually. Yeah, for a little while. <laughs> Wait, then, Conspiracy Theory is Mel Gibson too, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So Ransom, Conspiracy Theory. I know. Yeah, which All was right. just funny. Um, and actually, funny enough, as a side note on that movie, we were shooting a scene on in Conspiracy Theory. He's like a wacky Vietnam vet. Um, like conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And there, there was this one scene where they shoot there. They were shooting him on the Queensboro bridge and they realized when they got there that day to set up that at on the building, taking up the entire building on the Manhattan side of the Queensboro bridge was the poster for ransom. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, oh my so God. here he is, this crazy cab driver. Yeah. And With there a he is. huge banner for his other movie. <laughs> yeah. They didn't leave that in, did they? I can't know. Oh, okay, I can't remember it's not like something like if you look close. It was a huge thing. It was yeah. a huge, huge thing. I think they had to shut. They had to shut down for a little while, and then I think they were able to drape something over it. I can't remember what uh, exactly. Could they you did. imagine walking? Well, oh, now they so would have just. Now they would just. The, yeah, they would just air that yeah, right exactly, out. You know what I mean? Exactly. But back then, but it's back like, well, then, that no. building's in the shot. We can't do anything <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, completely. What do we do? But it was you know when they'd scouted and all that. It wasn't there, of course. Then it like went up. So anyway, but that that was that was that. So so then that and then it just that just led into. To other things, but I and I also always had wanted to um, be a writer. Okay, and then I started pursuing that. And my dad actually, when I told him I wanted to be a writer, he was like, "You don't know anything about it. Don't bother. I work with writers all day. You'll never be able to handle it." So that was great. Well, that's real, negative inspiration, real right? that's supportive. Yeah. Um, and that's what he was like. Well, when I was nine and told him I wanted to be an actress, he said that that was that I would only be hired because of my name. So that was there. What? In, so he was really trying to discourage the whole thing, or did he yeah, just and discourage I would, everything? In a different way. I would discourage it as well, but in a different, in a completely different oh, tone. Very different yeah, way. Very yeah. different. Because he made it personal, that it was right, like, I right. wasn't good enough. And, it, and he coupled it with my name. So then I had this issue oh. with my the name. name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So there, so the, and that that's the name thing, right? So that's as I kind of goes back to the other thing. Did anybody ever get as greasy to be like, "Hey, can you give this script to your dad?" And when you were just like, "You got to be fucking kidding me right now!" Did anybody ever take it that like, far? I guess with what's you? the no. ball, what's the ballsiest attempt to reach your father you through were like, you that you seriously ever seriously right now? Besides this podcast, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any at the moment. I mean, so it was just like, bad. no, it was nothing so overt. Good. It was That's so good. obvious. Like, yeah. it was obvious. So I would always be, but I'm, I'm kind, I can be kind of a bitch. That's as you should so be. People tended not, not to think that they could manipulate me that way. That's well, good. On the last, well, it was, the only reason why I bring it up is because on our last episode, we were kind of talking, we're stand-up comics, and we were just talking about nepotism and stuff like that. And it exists in all businesses, not just Hollywood and stuff like that. But there's the good and the bad to that. People always say like, oh, nepotism will get you everywhere. And then sometimes you're just like, it can be a curse. Not a curse, but yeah. really annoying because it puts you on the defense all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're... Well, and the other thing is that people wonder like, well, why why aren't you more successful or why aren't you, you know, why do you need, you know, if you're just trying to work at something and earn yeah, no your way me. into something, well, then it's like, but, but then you must be, there must be something wrong with you. Right, like no one asked me about my dad. To. No yeah. one says, why haven't I lived up yeah. to my dad's expectations? Yeah. They don't know who my dad is and they don't know what he does. Yeah. And I haven't, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and he's still a better man yeah. than you, but the point is. Yeah. So it's it's sort of twofold because you have, first of all, you have the must hire thing. So everyone thinks if you are where you are that you got there because you were a must hire. But if you're not where you'd like to be, then think people think, well, you must not be there because you really don't you really don't deserve it. You know, you're really shit. Yeah. Because clearly you, with your connections, you know, you should be able to um get there. So so that was um, you know, difficult <laughs> for me to to move past that and that took a long time. Yeah. And so accounting in a way was a good thing for me because I, I wrote in between the jobs. I would do a job and then I would write and I sort of Kind of was enabled me to, you know, keep one foot in each. And yeah, I think that's I think that's the best thing you can do is get when you get into production is like figure out what you really want to do. And even if you have a job that you're like, yeah, okay, this is a job and it's within this business and I'm making contacts, I'm still in my off time doing this other thing. Yeah, and I did that I actually feel have about it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Motivation to do. And then I, but and that actually, I'll tell you what, that's when I mostly notice people with the name was when I was. It has been always with my representation. Oh, they're uh, you know. It's tough to find a good one, you know. That's it's weird. A, Agents are greasy. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny crazy. enough. So it's sort of like they're all, they're, you know, they're constantly trying to make it feel like it's because you're not doing enough, or there's something wrong with you, yeah. and I, you know, I'm on. I got called. You know, I'm calling every. You know, can so, you get new headshots again? But for that, the fourth that time you know, this year? they they always they you know they work the hardest for you the day you sign with them, and then the next day, not <laughs> so much. But I so and for me in that situation, I think there's a lot of that. You know, I've yeah. had it a couple of that those relationships where it's sort of like, but I I don't have to do anything for you because. You should be you. You should be making these calls for yourself, or you know. So yeah, I'll be there when you when the contract's ready to sign. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly that what they're thinking. Is they're like, well, you just go get it, and then I'll pretend I rep you. Yeah, like, completely. Well, the funny I thing was, you. the funny thing was, that I have actually sold one script, which is you nice. know uh, more than a lot of people more than say. I've sold. Yeah, and you know, like a typical uh, writer, it's the option expired and it's in turnaround. Oh, so yeah. there you go. As one of my friends said, well, that's good. Now you're official. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I actually ended up selling it my set when I was in during a period of time that I was unrepresented and my, my previous manager who, when I had had the idea, I had, I had been with this guy and I had told him about it and he was like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. And then I ended up doing it a couple years later. When he told me that, I was like, okay, you're so right. You're so right. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, because you just skulk away. Like, why would I even be so stupid as to think it could be decent, you know, because I'm such a loser. Uh." And so then I then, um, 
broke up with that manager, ended up kind of sort of removing myself from it and had Iola and was like, I'll just figure it out. And then I, that's why I started on the documentary, actually, mm-hmm. because I, the documentary was going to be a labor of love. And I thought, well, I don't want to go back to accounting full time and hire a nanny so I can go to a shitty accounting yeah, job. Yeah, like, leave my kid to pay money for yeah, someone else to watch my kid while I go to some shit exactly. job to pay for this like, person. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. So I was like, but what else can I do? And I had had for a while wanted to sort of do this documentary when I sort of started to kind of have that, I think, natural um, change in perspective that I think we all have when we become adults. Which is, I was going to ask you, is that obviously, you know, talking about this, this was not an easy relationship, obviously, you have with your father for multiple reasons. So when, how does one come about going, I'm going to make a documentary about my father, who I've had a lot of differences with? Well, funny enough, it was actually in a pitch meeting where I had gotten a meeting with this woman, Lucy Fisher, who's a big producer, and I'd gotten the meeting with her. I had this story that I wanted to pitch, and um, my sister had put me in in the room with a few other people, which was great, because my sister was not my dad, and was one removed, and you know, all that, but then... Your sister works in the business? Is that what you're saying? She's a producer, yeah, and um, she was who got me my first accounting job. Again, had nothing to do with my dad, so that was... Right. It made me feel good. Yeah. But um, anyway, so, uh, and I went to go, and I here I was, the earnest writer, and I got in there, like, already with my pitch prepared, and I sat down, and she spent the first 20 minutes talking about my dad, and the whole meeting was going to be, like, 25 minutes. So then I was like, and she was like, so what's your story? But I couldn't deny that they were really kind of, it was cool. And there was, I started to sort of um, appreciate it. And then there was, you know, then that was sort of, I was starting to hear them more often. And I kind of started to take an interest and want to record them. Yeah. And then I just became driven by the fact that um, I started to really understand what it was that he did and hear more and more stories. And um, I felt that, um, the business was changing and things were changing and that he was this quiet man and I did not want his um, quiet sort of self-effacing nature to be what would be the undoing of his legacy in so far as he's not out there promoting right. himself. And so I just felt like I had to do it um, for that reason, for my own exploration and as really like as a as a gift to him because I felt that um, it's easy to feel irrelevant, mm-hmm. you know, as you get older, mm-hmm. and there's now a new crop of people. And, and everything you, has changed. I mean, since he yeah. started to what the industry is now and how it works and who does what, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just different. Yeah, you know? and I'm, I don't know that he, you know, I don't know that he does, but I think he probably has little, you know, pangs and sort of feelings of like wait remember me i you know the guy that did all that stuff yeah Yeah, so i just felt like i had to put it um on the record which okay and this is great right so here you are and you're like this is what i want to do i don't people understand it is not easy to make a documentary you have a lot of moving parts this isn't just get a crew together get some actors and shoot something this is the exact interview my dad for half an hour and it'll go to cans it'll be great right i mean this is like the people that your father has worked with that in order for you to tell that complete story some of these people i think would be considered completely unobtainable if you're trying to tell this story correct am i correct in saying that based on how? yeah yeah i mean i that's the amazing thing about it um is that i've been so fortunate that's i've had i've made it on my own so i've had no money or no backing anything like that 
Um, I just did a Kickstarter campaign that was sort of all the funding, and then b- I borrowed money here and there for credit card loans, did whatever. Again, the, the real stories of, of sometimes of what you yeah. need yeah. to do. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the truth. But I also get back to the whole writing and the representation. I just felt like this town operates on like somebody has to you know validate your idea before you can execute it. And I was like, that's I'm yeah. not. This is not going to be that. I right. I'm not going to get you to sign off on this thing like I'm just going to do it and I and then I'll do it and you'll see. And so it's been 7 years. Um Ooh, 7 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a process. Yeah, but we're like honestly like a crew of like 6 people. I mean we've had camera operators and stuff that work for us like day players, but you know that's myself, my producing partner Rich, um our we have two co-producers, Catherine Griffin and Chip Morrow who is also the editor. Um and then we have um an associate producer, sort of all-around gal, uh, Oriel Jimenez, and then one other producer, Natasha Klebanski, and that's all we are. Wow. We have a we had a composer, you know, he worked mm-hmm. with us, and we, <coughs> but um, so it's been we're a small but mighty team, and um, it takes time. This seven years, it's like you're not working every single day, like no. shooting something. So people understand, it's like. It takes seven years because sometimes there's a, a crucial part of the story yeah. that takes time to get someone to help you with that part of the story. Correct? Yeah, and these interviews, they take these people are busy, so they take a long time, you know, um, before they are able to do it, right. or you know, they cancel a lot of times. But you were saying, I remember you and I talking about this in, in the in the past. You were saying that you were pleasantly surprised at how open everybody was willing to uh, to do these interviews, but it was just they said you got to give me some time, right? That was kind of the, a lot of them, right? Yeah, I mean, they were amazingly accommodating, and they, I think, in comparison to probably other things that are on their schedule, you know, they were great, and they made time, but, you know, um, but, you know, I don't think they rearranged things for me, but but the first person, actually, to sign on was, was George Lucas, and that oh, was wow. really huge. Oh, wow. Because, yeah. Because, it, and as, and that's, I mean... I don't know anything about George Lucas, like personally, but I mean, that's kind of says to me that he at least understands that without your dad, um, yeah, I mean, one, American graffiti might have never been seen, and two, we could all be sitting around going, hey man, Star Trek is the only space yeah. movie that's ever been made. Boop, yeah, remember that director from uh, American Graffiti, that George fella? That's what it could have been, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah who's Who that directed guy? Yeah, George who's that somebody. Guy? Otherwise, some guy looks half yeah. Wolfman Jack yeah. and half college <laughs> yeah, frat yeah. guy, yeah. Didn't you tell me, uh, was there uh, uh, something that went down with uh, in a positive way with you and uh, Mel Gibson or something like that, that uh, he remembered you from the past or something like that? Well, actually, he Sorry, remembered I, I don't know if I just me. basically no, wrapped your whole all. story, but I think I remember not you telling me something about that. Um, yeah, it was uh, actually on Conspiracy Theory that okay. he re- he recognized me from Braveheart because when my dad made oh, Braveheart, shit, I was living dead. in London. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome reaction. Uh, wow. Yeah. When my wow. dad made Braveheart, that was when I was living in London during that semester abroad, and they were shooting in Ireland. So I actually went back. That was sort of the beginning of the change in my relationship with my dad okay. because I was 22. You were old enough to yeah, be your and own that's, person. Yeah, and you know, when you start relating to your parents in that way, and I was also visiting him at work, so I was seeing how other people related to him, and I was seeing how, you know, so, mm, and that yeah. was, you know, it was, it was the first time that we were hanging out with, with each other as adults, and that was pretty significant. But Mel Gibson has amazing facial recognition. He is really... He's actually a really nice guy, and if he meets you, he remembers you. He really does take an interest in people. Like, you know, he's not just, I mean, I'm sure sometimes it's lip service, but, you know, he's one of those people. So I'd met him on Braveheart, and then I worked on Conspiracy Theory. I worked on Ransom and Post, so I never saw him there, but I worked on Conspiracy Theory. 
And I was super uptight about people knowing who my dad was because in New York, people didn't really know because that was mostly where the crew was and people just didn't make the connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was working in Los Angeles, people would automatically, Ask when they you. look at the call sheet, be like, are you related to? You know, but here in New York, it was less that way. So I was able to keep it pretty under wraps until the day that Dick Donner got into town. He was the director of it. And he's like... I mean, he calls himself my godfather. Father. He's not officially that, but he's sort of... I've Wait, known him. Dick Donner directed Braveheart? No, no, no. Dick oh. Donner, Conspiracy Theory. Oh, so Anyway, really? back, to, back to Conspiracy Theory. So okay. Conspiracy Theory, <laughs> Braveheart Conspiracy Theory. So now I'm working on Conspiracy Theory, and I'm grown up, and I'm on set delivering the paychecks, and I don't want anyone to know who my dad is. And Mel Gibson is walking past me to go to set, and he stops, and he looks at me, and my hair was like a different color and a different cut, and he goes, little lad. That's you, little lad. Amanda, come here. And he calls me over, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I'm the payroll accountant." You know, whatever. And uh, so he was really incredible. He was so super nice, and he wow. was like, "I remember you." And he was like, "Do you know who this is?" And you know, Dick Donner. But I was going back to say I was super uh, uptight when I got that job. I got it because the accountant from the associate was the accountant that was hired on that movie, and she got a call from Jimmy Van Wyke, who was a, one of the producers, right as she took the job, and said, "Okay, we have a, somebody you need to hire." Unbeknownst to me. And she said, I don't do must hires. And he said, well, this is a really close friend, uh, you know, daughter of a really close friend of Dick's, you know, and we'd like you to consider it. She's, a, you know, works in accounting in New York. Please consider it. And her name is Amanda. And my, my boss, Andy Isaacs, was like, oh, don't worry about it. She's actually my payroll accountant. So she's on it. And by the way, I don't do must hires, but lucky for you. <laughs> she's part of my crew. But anyway, so I was super, and she called me up and she's like, you better be careful because they know who you are, you know, and she told me because she knew I was super uptight about it. So anyway, the first day of of them arriving in, in New York, Dick comes into the office and he's this big man with this big booming voice. And I've told my dad and t- to please tell him not to tell anybody that we know each other. <laughs> oh, God. Which was mistake number yeah, one. You, you, I should have just said <laughs> nothing. Nothing, and he would have never. Because my, yeah. da- my dad was like, "Have you seen Dick yet?" You know, he knew obviously, and I was like, "No, I haven't." I said, "But I'm not. I don't want anyone to know, Dad." So you know, I just, I, if I do see him, I'm going to be low key. Well, like a day or two later, this big, I can see ever the, the production office is cleaner than ever. Like the craft service is nicer than ever. So obviously, you know, somebody's coming in. Right. Yeah. And then you know, oh, the director's coming in, and I'm in my office in the back, thinking like, "Oh God." God. And then I just hear this big booming voice, where is she? And all the lights get turned off in the office and everyone's scrambling. They're like, who, Mr. Donner? <laughs> where is she? Junior, where is she? And they're like, who, who, who are you talking about? He's like, I'm looking for my goddaughter. And they're sitting there. Everyone's like, we don't know. Oh, what do you mean? Freaking out. Like, who did yeah. not get the memo? Dude, yeah, we didn't call somebody. Shit, somebody is supposed shit, to be here. Shit. They're not here. We fucked up. Yeah. And then he goes storming around the office. He comes into the back office. He's like, here she is. And everybody's looking. And I'm absolutely like purple, oh, mortified. And the, the, and the production coordinator comes in behind him and was like, oh my gosh, this is your goddaughter? I didn't know that. He goes, are you kidding me? I found her in a taxi cab in London and gave her to a nice family. She wouldn't even have a family if it was. It was this whole thing. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing and I oh was mortified. God. Yeah. Anyway, and so then I had to do the rest of that job with everybody knowing. <laughs> and in that job, I was, it was suddenly like people did get friendlier. Some people were friendlier. Interesting. But you don't strike me as the kind of person that, that would notice that and then be condescending or take advantage of that situation because of the way people are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I no, you were that look in your face and I'm like, I thought you were going to be like, no, no, I totally was a, <laughs> I just started treating people like shit once I found out I had power. No, no. I, I was drunk I, with power. Yeah, no, I, um, no, I just, 
It's didn't... nice to be treated well. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be treated better. It was life. nice of we'll less kids of about that treatment later. and more of interest that yeah. wouldn't was disingenuous because yeah. you wouldn't be interested otherwise. Yeah. Like you're not really that interested in me. Probably. Well, ju- and, also, I am and also the payroll department isn't something you're like, thing. ooh, let me get involved in the payroll I'll department. I'll tell you what, like, though, the payroll accountant is, well, if you're a good one, and I was, is everybody's favorite. Like, you well, roll you come up to, on Thursday. You come with the checks. Hell, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And if they're on location per diem, you come, you're like, hello. Right, but it's more like a, hey, how you doing? Great, thanks. Oh, you're the best. Yeah, and yeah. Not you're like, the best on Thursday. Right, so <laughs> like, not, not, not like, how was your week? Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm not like, how are the rest of the numbers coming in? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 exactly. I will tell you, John, John has, has made fun of me about because a, a lot of our guests have come through me having children. Uh huh. If that makes any sense totally. about how we all know 100%. each other, a school. But it makes total it, sense. It, it comes from the school. But the funny thing is, is like um, I come from a different style. Like I basically, I had no idea. Who, did, I knew you, got to know you. It's just more of like we had kids. You chat. You find all that stuff. All the people that I ended up knowing is not necessarily industry based because most of the people. They're not recognizable faces. You know what I mean? You're meeting them as so-and-so's parent or whatever, and you're talking. But the woman that runs that place is really good about knowing how to, who to introduce. Like, like yeah. oh, you're, you're, you're cool, and they're cool. So you, you cool should people meet. should know each other. Yeah. Not like you're cool because that person does this or that person does that. It goes, oh, you'll get along with them just yeah, fine. Yeah, they got the totally. same attitude as yeah. you. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of like what I like about the evolution of the people that I've met. It's been more on a more realistic, like, oh, we're all the kind of like-minded versus like, so what do you do? Right. All right. So let's let's start establishing totally. that I, bullshit yeah. relationship yeah, and see I how far that. that takes. I hate that. Yeah, because that's the thing. I've like lived, run away from that my whole life. Is like, and 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 we have kids involved now though yeah. too. That's the other thing is like you don't want to have your kids having forced relationships with people because you no. think somehow or another. Like, that's just gross. I find that an extremely gross thing. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. But also, um, your godfather directed two Superman movies. Yes. <laughs> one, well, one, well, two. He, he did, I've and he got, got the, fired. I've off got it. the Donner cut at home because and it's, it's great. Does it have way better? Feet? It's so much it's better. Way better. It's so much. They better. have to edit in the. They have to edit in the the um, audition sequence. Uh, for a chunk of it, which kind of changes because it's not that well lit, and it was an audition, and it right. was weird. You know what I mean? Other than that, it's so good. Like it just makes the other one look like a kids' movie. Yeah, it's, it's so much. What did is hit his cut? It's not his cut where there's that awful voiceover. Does he know what I'm thinking? Can he read my <laughs> no. thoughts when he's flying with us? <laughs> no, her? So I don't. I don't think so. Lame. No, I don't think that's in his cut either because it yeah, is lame. And it's so lame. Yeah. Does he know what I'm thinking? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just enjoy they it, made for a, God's sake. That moment, as as a as a as a young male, I was like, "Is this movie for teenage girls?" All of a sudden, like it, it literally, was so, like, so removed, completely from... pulls you out of it. Yeah. yeah, those guys though that did that, they I guess they did it too um, with the Three Musketeers movie. Like they're notorious. The the two guys that were the the uh, at, at the uh, the uh, they combined the three. Musketeers. They sound like the, they got Armenian last yeah, name, like Armande yeah. or yeah, something I like that. Yeah, I can't think of their names, but it was. Uh, I, 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 Adavaki, uh, I can't right, think of well, their yeah. names, but they. I would yeah. Google it right now, but yeah, I'm too lazy. Sorry, yeah, but yeah, but those guys, they did because the, they shot one, the first and second Superman at the same time, exactly. And then, and in the middle of the second one, they were like, "D, we don't like what you're doing." He's like, "Well, tough titties. This is what I'm doing." And they were like, "Did you use tough titties?" That's exactly what's the knowing him, he may very well have. <laughs> well, is he? I didn't realize he was that big, booming, like, like had that booming, like, yeah, he's, personality, he's got a big like, voice. Yeah, yeah, he's got a big voice and like a big, you know, he's. 
He's um yeah he's he's. I mean, it came down to him going, "I'm not taking your shit, so yeah. I'll just leave." Yeah. And then they got um another Richard, uh, not Donner, but they got uh, yeah I can't remember Dick who. somebody else to um to come in and finish the yeah. movie. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, those, um, guys, but anyway, so that, that was the deal with him. But then, and I actually on the topic of kids have to go pick mine up very soon. Yes. Oh yeah. But I will tell you another cool story about Dick Donner, which was in the other sort of thing that really, another one of the things that inspired me, the two main stories were when I met with Lucy Fisher and, and when I met with Lucy Fisher and she spent the 20 minutes talking about my dad, what she was talking about, my dad was running when he ran Fox and he employed women. And that's what was really cool is that oh, she wow. said we couldn't get jobs. There weren't jobs for women. They hired. They were script girls and secretaries. There were no executives. And my dad hired Paula Weinstein, who is huge, you know, and runs yeah. Tribeca, and and Lucy, who's also big, and this woman Alan Stewart, this woman Claire Towns, and he surrounded himself with a lot of women, and he gave them positions of power. And he respected them. Wow. And that was actually, I couldn't deny that that was really cool. And yeah. she was telling me that. And Especially she, at that time. Yeah. Like that. You know, it was 1973, 1974. <sighs> yeah. She was like, we uh, couldn't broads get were, jobs. You're, you're yeah. answering phones or cooking yeah. your meal. So it was really, that was that I really was like, wow, that's significant. That's not just like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, not that making Star Wars isn't, you know. Be, right, but but, but it was, that was saying. that was a bigger, that was a bigger thing. Yeah. And that was the beginning of me coming to understand his effect on um, the business in that way. He was also the first, well, he was the person who um, said that, I'm telling you all the stuff that's in the movie, but that he loved all, he'd made a lot of women's movies like Norma Ray, you know, like Thelma and Louise, yeah. The Turning Point, um, a, An Unmarried Woman, all these really great things. Ripley was originally, um, Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien was originally a man. My dad said change it to a woman. Wow. Yeah, so he was really amazing that way. I didn't actually know that story until recently, funny wow. enough. So my cousin called me up and told me that, that Greg Araki had told her that, oh no, I can't remember. Anyway, but that's when I was like, no way, is that true? And I called my dad and I said to him, I heard this rumor, because I wanted to sort of trap him. I was like, I heard this rumor that Ripley was originally a guy. Do you know if that's true? He was like, yeah, it's true. And I said, well, how do you know? He goes, because it was my idea to make it a woman. I was wow. like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's true. I read that on the internet, but I wanted to drop it. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you went right to the and he source. Was like, okay, you know, whatever. But um, but so that was that. And then another, so the Lucy Fisher thing really stuck with me. And I'm it, it, it sort of gave me an understanding of him on a bigger level. And then another, maybe, I don't know, a year or so after that, no, a couple years after that, I was in Hawaii with Dick Donner, and he told me the story of. The, the rough cut of Alien, and I mean, of The Omen, and showing my dad the rough cut of The Omen, and that in the rough cut, Damien died. Ooh. And my dad turned to Dick after and said nothing, and Dick was freaking out like he hates it. You know, it's yeah. so typical of my dad. He really makes you sweat. And he said, Dick said he said nothing except to turn to him at one point. You know, he's like, yeah, it was a really great film. But what if the kid lives? And Dick said that it was like, oh, my God, this sort of like light bulb. I can't believe it. And they went back and they reshot the ending. And to me, that was incredibly impressive because that is the most frightening part of that entire movie. (laughs) Because you finally feel like, oh, my God, thank God. There are like two coffins. Thank fucking God. This kid is dead. We can like I can like take a deep breath. I can take a nap now. And then the camera pans down and you see him turn and he's got that smile and it is harrowing and you just feel like oh no oh yeah and to think that that wasn't there that it was my dad's idea and that that was 
that change was made. And since I've made the documentary, I've learned yeah. a number of those things. He was known also for doing that. He was really great editorially. And he, like Mel Brooks talks about, you know, he oh, yeah, has a young great Frankenstein. idea. Mm-hmm. And high anxiety and space balls. Jesus. And silent movie. Um, I think there might be another. Silent movie's a little heavy on the Dom DeLuise, if you ask me. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like him and Burt Reynolds showering. That's between you and her dad. It's silently. I have no yeah. Silently, yes. Um, but anyway, so so that's that. So that was um. So th- that was kind of it. So the 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 appreciation that I had for these stories obviously changed as I got older. Yeah. And then. So you know. where are you at in the process right now? You've you the, the movie you've you've interviewed everybody that you've wanted to interview, right? You have your story, and yeah. so what's so where where are we at in this process? When do we now, finally get to see this amazing? Well, right now we are basically um, the, on the sort of fine tuning of the cut, okay. um, and graphics, and then we're done. Okay, wow, yeah, Seven and then years. it's and then yeah. Now, are you and still trying to put money services. into this thing, or, or yeah, is it, so you're yeah, still... I need to still, I still, there's still some stuff to pay for. So we have finishing services to pay for, um, and like legal stuff, um, you know, just insurance. Cash flow never ends, does it? No, <laughs> it doesn't. But I, um, what's the goal? So the goal would be to have it done by in begin- a perfect we're world. Gonna, I, by the beginning of 2016, sort of like. M- February, March. Okay, the you first know, we're quarter, hope right. yeah, we're hoping um my husband is doing the graphics and he's currently on another job. Okay. Ooh. So how dare he first him. off. Yeah. Damn it. We're paying our bills. Uh, yeah, I try yeah, I was paying the I know, mortgage. it's kinda cheeky because I'm like, you know, I can't really get on him because I kinda need it. Yeah. Him to, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, work. Um, a couple just just to throw out some people that uh, when this movie comes out that people are gonna be excited to see in this thing. Well, George Lucas. Well, so we know about the there's George, Lucas, George thing, yeah. Lucas. There is um, Dick Donner. Yes. Mel Brooks. Yes. Um, Paul Mazursky, who has since passed away. So that was very huh. fortunate that we got him. He directed An Unmarried Woman and various other things down and out in Beverly Hills, which is awesome. But oh, a lot wow. of great moves. Wow. Harry and Tonto, a lot of great moves. But anyway, he. Um, we were fortunate to get him. Art Carney, Harry and Tonto. Yeah. Um, he, won the, he won the Oscar for Best yeah. Actor. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, anyway, um, Paul and uh, Mel Sigourney Weaver, Ben Affleck, Morgan Freeman. Um, who else? Did you tell me Ron Howard was somebody? That you Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just goes on. Ron and on Howard. And on. Clint, Clint Howard. <laughs> no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That's yeah. for the documentary about gentle Ben. <laughs> ben. Ben. <laughs> Can Ben just call Shane? Ben. Can we just yeah, you know, yeah. The, 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 Ben Shane Ben, ben Shane? Ben. <laughs> yeah, um, gosh, it's really embarrassing because I can't think of some of no, the. No, it's, it's, it's okay. Named, I know it's one of those things you've, you've interviewed so many people you can't. I can see the passion in your eyes. I don't know the full story. I want to know the full story. I've always wanted to know the full story ever since you told me that you were doing it, and um, I, I hope Ridley I, Scott. Ridley Scott is in it as well. Sorry. As well, he should be. Yeah, yeah, and he was really great. Yeah. So they're all, they've all been really great, but it's it's one thing I'll, I'll, I will say go, going back to something you said earlier um, that I am very fortunate. I had hoped that by doing the interviews, conducting the interviews, that I would get a more intimate um, sort of telling, and I did. And I think that that's really human nature. You know, if you're going to tell somebody a story about somebody they know, especially know well, mm-hmm. um, you're you're going to tell it well and with emotion and and you like and somebody you know well and exactly like, like, exactly like really Scott owes a lot. 
to yeah. your dad. I and mean, they all really were that way. And these giant larger than life people who were very humble and very, um, you know, grateful. And um, it was really, really great. And they, they all, I, it's weird. I sort of realized halfway through the process that I was almost like a proxy because I was enabling them to say to him, what they probably would like to say, sure. but you know, people get bashful or how yeah, do you, you yeah, know, yeah. Say, dudes aren't especially yeah, the most, you know, uh, so it was an, they, they, I felt, I could feel this catharsis in, in a way that they were saying and they were able, able to be more emotional, more sentimental. Um, and, um, you know, more open that way, I think because it was me and I think that they subconsciously knew that this was their opportunity to tell him maybe all the things they would like to tell him that they yeah. hadn't told him. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's, you know, it's nice to probably hear that stuff while you're around. <laughs> yes. You know yes. what I mean? So, so I got to really hurry up. No, so not many, that. So <laughs> but, many people like don't express that kind of thing That's until thing. after like in a, you know, in a eulogy. Yeah, a eulogy yeah, or like yeah. a post-mortem documentary about yeah. somebody or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny, actually, because Dick, in the middle of his interview, he was talking about it, and he was getting emotional, and, you know, and it wasn't crying or anything like but it was, you know, it was heartfelt, and he was like, you know what? He said, I feel like I got to go call him right now, because usually when you're talking about it's, this- They're dead, yeah. They're dead. Yeah. And he said, I just got to, like, call him and make sure, Laddie, you're still here, right? You know? <laughs> oh, quick question. Your dad's nickname is Laddie? Uh-huh. Do you know if there was, and probably not, it's probably just a Lassie thing, but on The Simpsons, uh, in an episode, Bart gets a new dog. They get rid of Santa's helper, or Santa's helper runs away, but they get Laddie, this dog that comes in the mail. Would that happen to have anything to do with your I father? I doubt it. It's okay. probably just the Lassie. Okay. But I, you never know. I mean, because there's those things, you know, where, like never know leaving Las who. Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas, I remember watching that movie, I think, you know, on in my college dorm room or something, and... You know, Nick Nick um, Cage is like, oh, well, yeah, I remember you, MGM with Laddie. I was like, whoa, whoa, hello. That's so random. Like, wow. yeah. Yeah. So he does he does pop up yeah. like that. Um, I, I actually used to get a kick out of it when I was a kid with my grandfather because they, they're like, Lucy tries to sneak into his house in the I Love Lucy episode. Well, when she gets caught in Richard Mark's house and hides under the bearskin rug, <laughs> oh. right before that, she's trying to, to go over the wall of Alan Ladd's house. <laughs> So, wow, that's and when he's they, in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, the wow. The door opens up and it's him. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I don't always recognize him. My husband would be like, that's your grandfather. Oh, like, oh wow. 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 Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so so that's that. But oh, What's it going to be called, the documentary? Laddie. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. where can people find out more about it right now? Um, our website, laddie.com, www. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's on the internet. Uh, oh, the, the on webs? The, on the web, and on the superhighway. L A D D Y? L A D D I E. Oh, L A D D I E. L A D D I E. Dot com. Um, dot com. And then we also have a Facebook page, which we are currently doing uh, the, our countdown to um, episode seven's release. Okay. And oh, posting nice. something every day that is a Laddie George Lucas Star Wars thing. Oh, cool. Um, the coolest one so far was the first day I thought, which was a memo <coughs> that I that somebody forwarded to me that morning just by chance. But an inter-office memo um, from the head of distribution in 1976 of Fox, stating that um, you know I basically like to let everybody know that they should all be grateful that they've that Star Wars is coming in and it's looking great and not worry, <coughs> you know, and have a good Thanksgiving because this is what we have coming down the pike. And it says that. 
Alan Ladd Jr., as conservative as he is, saw the movie and he flipped for it. And then there's another line that says, to sum it up, um, George Lucas had an idea or something like that, and Alan Ladd Jr. has the courage and conviction, something to, you know, yeah. it's like this, and it's on this old inter-office internal memo, yeah. this whole thing. That was typed and copied with uh, the uh, duplicates and yeah, all that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that was really, really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, I mean, George does actually say, you know, there's one guy, you know. Alan Lott Jr. So, um, so anyway, so that's that's go check out our Facebook page. Even though you'll probably hear this long after. No, no, this is going up. No, uh, this goes up next week. It'll actually go up a week before the release comes out. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. This. So we're actually. It it's. I just realized that as we were talking, I started connecting the dots. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think yeah, it actually right. comes December, out right around that. So I had no idea. Yeah, that, December twelfth or thirteenth. I don't know when no, it actually 17th, comes. Seventeenth, eighteenth. The eighteenth. It 18th. comes out the eighteenth. So it'll come out yeah, about so a week if we, before. So if this episode will be out next week, then cool. yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, and then and, that's and, our Facebook page. And, and and give you money to finish your thing. Yes, we have a um, we have a fiscal sponsor, IDA. If you want to text tax break before the end of the year but we uh, accept donations there you go you should can, do you have a, is the kickstarter still going or no the kickstarter, the kickstarter ended yeah uh huh and we, we succeeded which was really good so this would be direct this would be yeah, direct yeah it's on um, there are links on our website actually now there it's, is I think there's like a tab play a role or something like that it's catchy and <laughs> it'll link you to IDA which is our fiscal sponsor and you can make a donation that way um, just a tax deductible donation which is which is cool um, or you know if you you know, wanted to come Just on and, you know, give the rest of the money. Yeah, if you want to write me a big fat check, it's that's, A-M-A-N. That's okay, too? No. <laughs> uh, yes, and um, anyway, but either way. That makes Hollywood Anonymous not so anonymous. If one, anonymous. <laughs> anonymous. If, not, if one of us... One of our listeners just goes and finishes this puppy up because it needs to be seen. Yeah. 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 Huh? Let's do it. Let's Hop do to it. it. Pitch Amanda. in, guys. I know you have to go pick up uh, your child, as I do I. John's going to have to go to the bathroom or something. I, I have to go. I don't know people no. without children have to do, but. I got to go <laughs> know, hang right? up macrame stuff over a window. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right. time uh, sensitive. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you better get on that. Thank you very much yeah, for coming by. This is amazing. Thanks for, you know, thank you so much for having me and letting me ramble. Yeah, of course. And hopefully you can string together something. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not going to edit it. We just put it up. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's how much editing we put into this thing. Okay. Even this part right here, going in. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks, Amanda. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 